COVID-19 patients need your help. If you fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot Help save lives and schedule your appointment at vitalant.org. You could help save lives. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. This is an ode to the glass noodle. You may be glass only in name, but our love for you is crystal clear in every Bibigo Korean dumpling. Your tantalizing texture tickles the taste buds, and while you are see-through, the world can't help but see you. The glass noodle, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every plump and juicy Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. On episode 60 of Confessions of a Marketer, we're all about the intersection of marketing and technology. Hi, it's Mark Reed Edwards. Welcome back to Confessions of a Marketer. I've got Tisha Miller of iCrossing in to talk about the intersection of technology and marketing. We'll have that in just a moment. Coming up, Ben Afia will be back here to share his language manifesto. Corinne Conroy will join us to talk about whole-brained marketing. Josh Martin will be back to dig a bit more into product marketing. Chris Daly will be back to figure out how to convert social media traffic. And Ricardo Osti will be in to chat about the role marketing plays in the customer experience. And we have lots more in store. I want to invite you to have a listen to my other venture, the innovation podcast, the iPod, along with my co-host Garnett Harriman. Lots of fun stuff happening over there. Head over to the innovationpodcast.co to tune in. Okay, on to Tisha Miller. Tisha is VP of Growth and Marketing Technology at iCrossing. And we start our discussion about a couple of words in her title, then dig into how she advises clients to utilize technology, how GDPR and other legislation in the offing will affect the business, and also what trends she's tracking. Fun chat. So let's get to it. Tisha Miller, welcome to Confessions of a Marketer. Thank you for having me. Well, it's great having you here. Your title at iCrossing uses two interesting words, growth and technology. How are the two related in our business? You know, they're really intricately intertwined. So when we look at how we approach and are servicing clients at iCrossing, we consider ourselves to be a performance partner, a growth partner. So we look at what are the things that we're doing and we're moving forward on behalf of our clients that are really going to hit performance metrics. That isn't to take anything away from, you know, the creative pieces of the work. All of that is table stakes. But as we're making decisions and strategically moving forward with clients, it's really important to stay tight to what those growth goals are and that we're hitting them and that the bets that we're making are based on data, which is really interesting. Yeah. And often the biggest bets that we're making are around technology. So when you look at the marketing technology space, it is vast, it's nebulous, and it's often, you know, a big ticket item. So how are we kind of connecting those two in terms of making the right decisions about what investments to make? And then after you make the investments, how to integrate them, how to put the right people and process around them to meet and all be in service and kind of that performance and growth goal. 
Yeah, and the landscape for marketing technology as a category is dizzying. There, there are just hundreds of logos that you, you know, on those images of, you know, what's available in that space. It's unreal how many options there are. It really is the chief MarTech infamous chart of the, yeah. The, yeah, the evolution of the space is really fascinating. And I think it makes it intimidating. It's one of the great spaces that we can play as marketers when we look at marketing technology capabilities is to say, we're going to have the right set of experience. We're going to have the right depth of folks within both our walls and within our network to start to have those conversations about, you know, what's viable that's out there. Yeah, yeah. And technology, you know, has kind of taken over marketing in the past decade or so. I know in companies where I've worked, marketing is one of the biggest consumers of technology in a company. Sometimes, though, it seems like it's there just for the sake of it. So how do you advise clients to utilize technology to achieve their goals? Yeah, I think it goes back to kind of that growth positioning again. So when we're looking back at what is going to be the best next investment for you that we're looking at. What are the business goals against it? Do we have confidence that it can meet that? You know, they can't be numbers that you kind of make up out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, And there is, you know, I can say having been in this business for almost a decade and been inside the walls of some, you know, the world's largest companies, there's been a lot of as we're all learning digital together and it is changing the world every single day and it has flipped it upside down in the past 10 years, several times over is how are we making the right investments in technology? Well, I guess I'll go back. As we see inside those walls, what often had happened along the way was the first, you know, kind of evolution was we're going to build something homegrown. Yeah. The second evolution was we're going to figure out what to do with this kind of mess of homegrown stuff that isn't scaling and it doesn't use all of the most modern technology that I'm seeing out there now. And then as I've spent a lot of time looking at this, I've seen mistakes, I've seen stuff that hasn't scaled. I'm just going to purchase this because it's been sold to me as out of the box and it's going to solve everything under the sun. And then not understanding that there's such this important middle layer to operationalizing the tech that you purchase. And then also looking at the people and process around it. So there needs to be change management and the right resources and education and all of those pieces that you can't just throw millions of dollars at a technology and it's going to create magical marketing success. There's a real process and thoughtful application that needs to happen. Yeah, you have to train people. You have to kind of make some cultural shifts in your organization. And there have to be people who actually understand how the technology works in the front end and the back end and, and all of that. And sometimes that, you know, is kind of put on the, on the back burner while you're evaluating a cool piece of technology. It is. It often is. And I think that in addition to the people and process, part of it is that no technology sits in a silo anymore. And if it is, then, you know, you're missing an opportunity to connect your data or to empower the tool itself. So are you looking at how does this integrate into my infrastructure? I think if you look at the Adobe Marketing Cloud is a really good example. Those individual pieces aren't necessarily meant to be deployed individually. There's a lot of power in the integration and unlocking right. those together. doesn't mean that you need to buy the full Adobe suite straight out. To start off with, I think that you need, you know, a thoughtful roadmap against that. But there, there are a lot of moving parts to all of your pieces of your tech stack. And then you've got to kind of make a choice and kind of gird yourself and just go into it, right? Yeah, exactly. So how are your clients handling things like GDPR and the California Consumer Privacy Act of last year? And, you know, talk of more privacy and data legislation in the U.S. and around the world. How are, how are they handling that? 
What's been interesting within the conversations with clients is so much more, it seems, that those conversations are happening with marketing and business side clients. So often some of those regulations or how, you know, the nitty gritty of how we're accommodating data or making sure that our security is locked tight, that's now a part of a marketing conversation, which I think has evolved over, you know, the past five years. Mm-hmm. And you, you tend to see more of that in addition to ADA compliance. So I think that there is a lot of business integrity tied into the perception and your ability to market and, you know, maintain consumer trust and overall be successful as a business. Yeah. So what trends are you seeing with your clients uh, in 2019? Anything really cool on the horizon or happening now? Lots of stuff. Some of it, you know, everybody's always talking data, but there is just a ton of conversations around data, really understanding, you know, back to those regulations, what data do I need? Mm. How do I get control of data that I had given up to other partners because I didn't necessarily understand what the value was? How do I make sure that I'm not just wholesale shoving everything into a data lake where 90% of the data doesn't actually ever get used? But how do I start to become a more effective marketer within that? That is vast. So there are a lot of different, you know, offshoots of that that you can take. But a lot of more sophisticated conversations are coming out of it. And then how are we making sure that while we're delivering you know, a really great experience that is tailored to consumers, that we're also being respectful of that data, we're not you know, reducing trust or any of those components of the experiences that we're creating or the perceptions of the business. So there's a lot of thoughtfulness in it. And then I'll say the other one really, you know, voice is big. It, you know, there's going to be a vast majority of searches by 2020, somewhere in the 80% range that are predicted to happen. By 2020, 80% of searches are predicted to be happening on voice. So how are we accommodating that? And that, you know, there's stuff that isn't sexy that's underneath that, that is getting sort of your tagging and data and content and all of those pieces in order. So you're able to operationalize those experiences. You need to understand how people... I'm going to speak a question different than I'm going to type a question. So there are some things within that that will make you really successful with invoice. And there's some cool experiences that you can deploy. And there's been a lot of conversation and experimentation around that that's been great. And it kind of changes the data discussion, doesn't it? Because it's a different input into your database. Voice is inherently different than searching in Google or somewhere else. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. And I, I think it changes also the output. So if you're doing an ad in voice, it's different than doing a display ad. What are, what are the considerations for media? When you consider that, you know, things are moving to voice and, you know, people have home pods and Alexa and all these devices in their homes now, how does that change the way you approach the work you do for your clients? So I think it's a good, as you look at how we've kind of learned, you know, it used to be if you look at how traditional marketers created content, it would be that, you know, you know we're going to do a TV spot and then it evolved and said, well, we're going to need to take some of that video out and be able to use that in different applications online. And now we have a more integrated approach where we're saying holistically, here are the different touch points that we're going to be engaging consumers. And voice is just another one of those. So yeah. instead of, you know, making these pieces of content force fit into medium, one medium based on how we originally designed it, we're thinking about the total design of the application. So as we're looking at how we're writing scripts, how questions might be asked or where people would be engaged, that might 
implore different questions and things like that from boys. That has to be a total part of the upfront of the campaign. So are you finding that clients are saying, hey, I want to do something with voice or are you going to clients and saying, you've got to do this? It's a little bit of both. You know, it depends on the client. There definitely is a lot of interest in terms of should we be playing here? What do we need to do to get there? Are we sort of losing opportunity? So it, mm. and at times it's, you know, we see based on what your target market is and what your growth goals are, that this is going to be a way to really connect with consumers and get the uplift that you're looking for. And here are ways that we can run tests against it and incrementally move into the market and understand a little bit better how to deploy it. And what kinds of clients are interested in that space? Is it across all industries or are you finding one industry kind of showing the most interest? You know, it really runs the gamut. So I can think of clients across CPG, retail, and automotive right now, all that are having active conversations and are testing or have already tested against boys. So pretty expansive. Yeah, it's kind of funny because in a way it's kind of retro. It's kind of, you know, moving back to radio. (laughs) It's kind of like I do this podcast and, you know, it's kind of like radio and voice is kind of like, it's not a step back. It's a step forward, but it's, you know, the oral sensation rather than having visuals. So, so it's really interesting to see brands move in that direction. It really is. And, you know, I see, you know, anecdotally in my own life, that it's becoming more of a habit and they didn't think that it necessarily would. But, you know, when I'm traveling, I want to wake up in the morning and say, you know, hey, Google, what's the temperature? Are there things right. that I've now become habitual that didn't previously exist? And I think that we're all going to, you know, be more integrated in, you know, voice being a part of our day to day. And it makes your life feel like an episode of Star Trek because you're just <laughs> asking into the, you know, the the air, what's the weather or what's the news? And, and it's, I think it's a really rich area for exploration in the next year or two. And it'll be fun to see what happens. It absolutely is. It, I think it's in a fledgling state right now. So we're like, okay, we'll ask basic questions, but what's going to be the next evolution? What are creative applications that are going to be interesting for people to explore? And it's one of those two that we're figuring out as marketers, where would people engage? Where does it feel authentic? How would they know? Because we've understood so much about what people are doing on their phones and what they're doing on desktop, but how are they really exploring in the voice space is another thing for us to tackle and then to create rich experiences against. Yeah, and there's kind of a physical connection that you have with your PC, your laptop, your phone, you're holding it. But voice isn't necessarily something that you hold. It's in the room with you or in the house, but it's not something you have some kind of physical connection with. So I would imagine the the way in which people interact with it is just fundamentally different. It absolutely is. And, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but part of what you know, we look at is I know how someone is going to type a Google search. That's going to be different when you're speaking about it. And do we really think intellectually about that? And do we understand content in that way? Do we know how to tag it in a way that we can be responsive and we understanding the different ways to use it? So, And even the grammar that's involved, and I guess that's what you're saying about, you know, when you type in something to Google, you can just type a series of three words that may be related to what you're interested in. When you talk to Siri or Google or, you know, any of these voice devices, you speak in complete sentences, right? I mean, it's just kind of a funny, different, funny kind of switch. Absolutely. And voice recognition, too. So they're accounting for 
you know, different phrases for things, different inflections and accents? Are we picking up on dialects and natural language processing? Are we understanding all of those various components? And then are we also, is technology meeting? Oh, trying to think of, you know, how to necessarily phrase this, but, you know, right now you see a lot of voice technology picks up male voices better than it does female voices. And, you know, for how recording works, that makes some sense. But is that, as you're marketing things, something you need to be sensitive to? And are we understanding what the technology is behind how we're deploying these voice interactions to make sure that we're fully considerate of, you know, who's going to be engaging with us? Because the people using the technology kind of imbue human qualities into the technology they're talking to. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, in the early days, it was, you know, you've got this GPS in your car and people kind of fell in love with the GPS, the voice of the GPS and would talk to it, right? That was kind of made fun of in, in popular culture. And now there's actually a relatively intelligent member of the family that's sitting, you know, uh, on the mantle or wherever that you can have a fairly deep conversation with about things that you want or things that you're interested in. And that to me is, you know, just kind of a quantum leap over the, from kind of 10 years ago. Yeah, absolutely agreed. And, you know, and to the human component part that you were talking about, they are building in these equippy responses and things that make it feel more personable. So what are ways to, to integrate that? Little Easter eggs that uh, you can get when you ask Siri or Google a funny question. Yeah, exactly. Well, so I think we've concluded that voice is the the big thing for this year and maybe for the next few years. I definitely think so. I'm really interested to watch how it's going to be adopted and what interesting experiences we're going to be able to create out of it. I think it'll it'll be fun to be a part of and to watch. Wonderful. Well, Tisha, I really appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks to Tisha for being here. Next time, Ben Afia will be here to share his language manifesto. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer is written, produced, and edited by yours truly. T. Jordan of A-Class Productions wrote the theme music. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc., and this episode is copyright 2019. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. You've never tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.